I hope you all slept well last night and had pleasant dreams. Speaking of dreams, this week's episode, we have a sci-fi classic to discuss with you today. Joining the discussion tonight, as always, is... Hey, it's Tyler. Hello, it's Shane. I'm Lainey. All right, so tonight we will be discussing Total Recall. Don't remember it? Well, let's refresh your memory. Released in 1990 and starting... Starting? Oh, I was doing so good! Released in 1990 and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger... Directed by Paul Vierhoven, um, whose films are known for their gratuitous violence and sexual content. So you know this is going to be a fun one. Total Recalls are very dramatic. <laughs> dramatic. Retelling of Philip K. Dick's sci-fi sci novella, We Can Remember It For You, Wholesale. The story of a working class man who dreams of going to Mars only to find an agency that implants memories for those who can't afford vacations. This is set in the mo not. This is set in the not so distant future where Earth is um, pretty much a shit show, like always. But you know, with DeLoreans, uh, since most of the population can't afford to travel, their solution is be is using Total Recall, an agency that implants memories to replace actual vacations. Um, we could probably cut that part out because uh, <laughs> it's just repetitive. <laughs> When our protagonist, Douglas Quaid, goes to receive a memory implant, it is discovered that he is actually a secret agent who has had his previous memory wiped and a new identity already implanted. Or so we think. His journey through the film is one of self-realization. But is it all a dream? Is it a false memory? Is it real? That's what we're going to find out tonight. All right, let's go, guys. And girls. Girls mean me. What do we want to talk about First, girls mean me, not you, Lainey. Not girls, you at gays, all. and buys. I'm girls, not, gays, I'm not and days. I'm concerned about being a girl. Girls, gays, and days. This movie was so much fun. Fun, yes, yes. Uh, I love how it was originally supposed to be um, NC-17 or even X-rated because of the amount of violence in the film, and so they just had to cut out like one or two scenes and make it R. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I want to know what was cut out, though. I've seen this film probably five or six times now. It's one of my favorites. But that first scene of, like, really intense violence, whenever Quaid leaves Recall, whenever he's put in the cab and he gets dropped off and his friend from uh, the construction company comes by and he, like, fights back, that scene shocks me every time with how, like, gratuitous mm -hmm. the violence is and how explosive it is. And from that point, it just escalates mm -hmm. all the so way So that was actually one of my favorite scenes in the film because of how well lit it was. Mm -hmm. And how, like, you have, like, the grid, you have, like, the bodies perfectly, like, in a line. Like, everything's starting to get set up. Can I say something real um, quick? Did you guys notice whenever you threw that one guy against the wall? It moved. It bounced. Yes. Yeah, it bounced. Yes, gotta love I rubber walls. I can never not see that. Yeah. <laughs> gotta love those, mm, those miniatures. Well, that's not a miniature, but well, they built walls. so many of their sets, like especially for Mars, and then for the other parts of filming, it was in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no telling. Like I feel like this was probably the most haphazardly put together set. So uh, several people got injured on this set and got sick on not this surprised. set. Not um, surprised. Not surprised. And sixty-five. The budget was sixty-five million dollars. Or that's how much, actually, I don't think that was the budget. That's what they spent on it. And mm -hmm. I want to know how much of that was for explosives. 
<laughs> yeah, and also practical effects. There were a oh my lot God. of practical effects in this movie. The squibs. Mm-hmm. I want to like. Oh man, I want to know who built those squibs because they were like were the practical effects. I feel like this is one of the last movies with those relics of practical effects that we really get before like digital effects come through in mm-hmm. the '90s. It actually. And uh, I just. I'm gonna let you talk. Sorry. Sorry. I was just gonna say I miss it so much. I think it looks so much cooler, and I think. Mm-hmm. A lot of the practical effects that they used, and then another one of my notable favorites for practicals is um, the original It movie. I think they just still hold up now. Mm-hmm. Like, Agreed. the scene where Pennywise is in the drain, still terrifying. The scene <laughs> where uh, Quaid is like, uh, what is he doing with his face? He's like uh, the pulling... Woman's- no, face? yeah, yeah. When, he's doing, yeah. When, he, when he's pulling out the uh, the tracker, the bug. Oh, my yeah, God. How yeah. How funny is he's that? Like we're talking. I think it's so funny how we talk about or how people are talking about that the COVID test have like little microchips implant. Mm, I wonder how much recall. of that was just based it's off. It's all total, total recall. recall. <laughs> Tyler saw me one time getting a COVID test, and I put it so far uh, up my nose. I was I, I was holding it. the end of the Q-tip with just my fingertips. Jesus, no! And then I took it out. And the lady at the window said, like, you didn't need to go that far. And now, every time I see that scene, I think about that sensation (laughs) of, like, touching my brain with this Q-tip. So, speaking of um, its relativity uh, in in today's climate, um, how much y'all want to bet little Elon Musk watched this movie? And part of the reason why he wants to colonize Mars is... He wants to be because he wants yeah he wants to he be wants Co-Hagen. to be the villain no he, he wants to be he wants to be Arnold let's be real he wants to be yeah. the lead dude no he thinks he's a Cohagen he thinks Cohagen's the good guy yeah and no, all of the <laughs> little like all the command economy and you know what fuck the Muscites whenever they listen to this they're gonna be pissed off you can <laughs> you can mail your complaints. To my ass. So don't worry, if our you don't, yeah, is comment down to bl- money. start. Yeah, please start political <laughs> <laughs> arguments oh, in the comments. The, the Musk fanboys don't have money either. That's the that's the grand fucking. They're hypocrisy. aspiring billionaires, and you really should put some respect on their name. <laughs> I'm an aspiring. They're, entre- they're entrepreneurs. They, they know the a lot about entrepreneurs. Oh my god. <laughs> aspiring entrepreneurs. Dude, that's what I call my weed man. <laughs> An entrepreneur. <laughs> but like, this is such a good description of exactly what the Musk fanboys will end up doing on the Mars colony, or their kids mm-hmm. will do, working in a fucking mine, being sold oxygen. And no one, like, it, it's just, it cracks me up that people are going so hard about the, let's colonize Mars. Like, you think Elon Musk is going to be doing, like, the infrastructure work? or Yeah. <laughs> the Mars highway is going to be built off of slave labor. Oh my it's gosh. so funny because one of the main things I thought about while watching this is was like imperial colonization i'm like white people really just want to live in so many places they don't belong when they're talking about going to the bottom of the ocean or living on mars and it's my question is just why why do you want to live in either because one of these they places? like my thing is like why don't you want to fix the shit that you already have before going and getting anything new or discovering anything new I mean, like, if you look at how, like, Earth or, like, future Earth is depicted, it's, like, everybody is working nonstop. Like, one of the things that I think is interesting is the commodification of not only oxygen, but memories. 
Like people mm-hmm. are being sold ego trips. Yeah, because they can't they can't afford take their own trip. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 more affordable. It's cheap. There's no risk. Well, except if you have like if you become fucking lobotomized or have mm-hmm. a my favorite term is he's having a schizoid embolism. Schizoid embolism. That, that's my new band name. I love that term. <laughs> it's a schizoid embolism. Oh my gosh, he's like he's just uh, what is it? He's just uh, living out his ego trip, uh, secret agent, uh, whatever. His secret agent ego trip. Which I think is hilarious because, like, you're being sold your ego trip, and this whole thing is pretty much an ego death. Um, I know a guy that can get you an ego trip for a lot less than 899 credits. Yeah, I also I love movies that they just they <laughs> don't even name it anything. It's not like like uh, there's not like uh, I love in Street Fighter they call them bison bucks. In this one, it's just credits. Ah, fuck it. Does credits. anybody have the uh, translation from credits to USD, or did we not acquire that information? Can we find that information? <laughs> yeah, this is just I a mean, joke. I don't oh, think there is. <laughs> Verhoeven's very. Uh, I very I can't wait until we get to make a sci-fi film where we get to use Musk coin. <laughs> Musk coin. It's Do- Doge. Doge it's coin. Doge coin. Come on now. I need. It's this fifteen hundred Doge coin. Uh, yeah, no, I think one of my speaking about the the credits and recall. One of my favorite scenes is when the receptionist I fucks Arnold for about fifteen seconds. I mean, aren't we all I fucking Arnold? Just a little bit. He, I, he was my boy was looking kind of good. Was, I liked the construction worker fit. I was more um, fascinated with Sharon Stone and Michael Ironside. There's something about Mike, Michael Ironside that I'm like, he's got it. And he Paul fucks. Verhoeven loves Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside he and uh, I, I can never remember the guy's name. I think it's Ronnie Cox, maybe something yeah. like that, who is uh, plays Cohagen, the main villain. Uh, they appear in a lot of uh, a lot of Verhoeven movies. In fact. Mm-hmm. Verhoeven's like big initial uh, American film with the one that broke out, Robocop. Mm-hmm. Guess who plays the scummy corporate villain? It's Cohagen. Cohagen, yeah. He's so good at the role. Well, I still mm-hmm. haven't seen Robocop. I have a little That's secret good. about someone I might have had a crush on. Who? In the film. <laughs> the cab driver. Johnny? <laughs> Johnny the cab driver. Johnny, Johnny, cab, Johnny cab. Johnny cab yeah. was a, yeah. a little foxy boy. You know he's yeah. always hard as a rock. Oh, that's true. That's true, and he keeps good rhythm. Mm-hmm. I like how whenever, uh, whenever Quaid tells him to fuck off, he gets so mad, or tells him like, "Oh, sue me." He gets so mad that he crashes and he crashes the car and sets mm-hmm. himself on fire. You know, we've all been there. Yeah. We love a toxic queen. We do. We do. We do. <laughs> um, there's there, oh my god, like Sharon. I love Sharon Stone in this so much. Because, like, and I love how her and Ironside have, like, this, like, whole, like, subplot, like, mm-hmm. kinky, like, sexual, like, relationship, but they never have any screen time, but they have so much chemistry. Yeah, they, the screen time they get together is very, it's uh, pretty much, oh, I get to look at my dead wife now. Like, whenever, like, uh, she's, like, on the video call and, like, he turns mm-hmm. around, he just dramatically drags his hand over mm-hmm. her face. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you fuck hard. Like, y'all are in some kinky shit. He got shit. cucked. By he was Arnold cucked. Schwarzenegger. He got, he got cucked by the guy who was technically like his sub boss. Oh my god! Oh, oh, that yeah. is so yeah, fucked it's, up. It's you look at it, it's Cohagen and then Hauser, mm-hmm. and then who is if you don't know Arnold yeah. in this film the real per- spoiler it's a trippy alert film trippy film it's, he's a triple agent yeah so Hauser. Who Cohagen and Hauser are two of the biggest dickhead people I have ever seen in film. They just they just fucking grin, fucking motherfuckers. <laughs> and Richter is the most just poor boy. He just wants to kill him. 
and what about, fuck his wife again. What about yeah. the little frosted tip guy? I kind of liked him. Yeah, I kind of liked him too. Oh, I kind of forgot about. Remember him. where Thumbelina fucking gutted him? That was awesome. Yeah. The the Venusville her... shootout was great. So I liked yeah. your note that you mentioned about Venusville being like uh, people going there to not only like fulfill like their sexual fantasies, but like their fantasy of like living as you know yeah. poor street trash. And for, and for those that don't know, Venusville is the the red light district on Mars. It is the sort of you can get prostitutes there, you can get your booze, and it's for seemingly the mutants. It's the mutants. Homeland, because yeah. again, on AKA shockingly, Beaumont, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> shockingly <laughs> on Mars, the uh, the ultra rich don't really give a shit where the main lower class workers go, and they don't pr- give them protection from the uh, rays. Sunlight, yeah, because you, there's no ozone layer, and sun will fuck you up. You have it's radiation. You have to look at this and see that Venusville has close proximity to the mines where mm-hmm. the working class toil away to make a comfortable life for the other people coming and visiting the mm-hmm. tourists, the colonizers who live on Mars. Yeah. The tourists visit Venusville to get their little, like, vice out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, and they come into this community of people who live there, who live that life day to day and get to role play as someone who lives in that community. But at the end of the day, they get to walk away from it and go back to their oxygenized, like, safe hotel room mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about the reality of the situation they could go back to the hilton i did love that there were like the real names of it like the the real advertising ties it in so oh, little there's so much product placement mm-hmm. in this movie the big massive oh, yeah. fuji film it's so oh, the pepsi they have yeah. the pepsi the logo Evian. everywhere yeah. and the pepsi logo changed in 1991 so the movie became like the product placement became irrelevant like a year after and not to mention the fact they didn't account for people changing their logos, and it's supposed to be set into the future. So we didn't redesign any logos. We kept the current logos for a movie set in the future. So we have a 1980s Coke label, and now that it's 2021, we look back at it, and you're like, oh, this is a movie from the 80s. <laughs> or, or like CRT televisions like of the future. Yeah. Or in the back of Cohagen's office, there's like, a Dell box like computer just painted gray. Yeah, I did love those little. I did like the little. Uh, I did like the fact that they 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 guessed the the video chat function, although the the instantness of it from Mars was brilliant. Oh, yeah. it's instant. Yeah. <laughs> Take about five years to get that. Call. Imagine the compression. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I also did love Richter. Richter's maybe my favorite character from this movie because he's such a shit bag. When, but he's so good. When Cohagen's calling in, he starts fucking. Oh, I, I can't do it. It's like it's the equivalent <laughs> of crackling the bag of chips. Oh, yeah, you're a little yeah. staticky. So good. And that's the genius of Philip K. Dick is, in reality, reading his books, he really predicted a lot of mm-hmm. the technology that we have now. Do and you want to go he's... into more about uh, Philip K. Dick and his... and? Uh... You want to go more into Dick? We can remember, yeah. Yeah. You want to go more into Dick? Mm. We should say this is uh, based off of a 30-page short story. I think it says 30-page short story. We can remember it for you wholesale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great short story. And again, a majority of the script is parts are lifted. Right. uh, But the main character, main plot stays the same. So um, another fun fact I wanted to bring up, and it relates to uh, the script. Um, Arnold actually had creative control, or I'm sorry, a not complete creative control, but he had authority over the script, over his own character, over the lines 
over uh, the imagery, pretty much everything. And so he wanted to change uh, Quaid's character from being a boring office drone to more of a uh, of a construction worker and give him a hot wife. Because I don't think I, mean, yeah, I don't think he really like. I mean, there was wife. a wife in in wholesale, but I don't think she had like. Yeah, it's not as an important of a character, I don't believe. Yeah. But I did also love this movie goes against trope quite. It, it it lays into a few tropes, but goes against it in that our uh, especially one that's very big that it sort of goes against is our the idea of like blonde is good and light is good, dark is bad. Mm-hmm. Our uh, our blonde seemingly like perfect housewife is really our evil female character yeah, she's and the our, handler. our demure our uh what did they call it the sleazy, sleazy, and, demure. sleazy and demure the sleazy and demure the slutty character who's of an ethnic background is our hero our hero female character mm-hmm. and so i did like that going against type mm-hmm. and verhoven likes to play with trope quite a bit so I like it because we talked about Wes Craven last week and Wes Craven's the king of kind of like making fun of genre and in itself creating a new genre. And this movie kind of highlighted a lot of that and brought it back for me, like the gratuitous fight scenes, the gratuitous sexuality, um, how it kind of put humor into lines that weren't supposed to be humorous. It really, really brought me back to things like Scream, which is, you know, one of my favorite movies and how it's a parody of itself while not being a parody. Mm-hmm. One thing I love about Paul Verhoeven, and this is actually brought up in uh, when RoboCop got released, because RoboCop is a film known for its extreme gratuitous violence. And when Verhoeven was asked about it in interviews, he said, well, he's like, because there's a metaphor of, oh, RoboCop is Jesus. And he said, well, what about all the violence? And he's like, well, it's American Jesus. This is, he's making American movies, and Americans love, love love gratuitous violence which goes right into what i was going to say of this movie so well satires 80s action films Mm -hmm. even like through the political lens of in the very beginning they're talking about northern block and southern Mm -hmm. block which immediately conjures up western block eastern block Mm -hmm. conflicts Mm -hmm. of the cold war which were Mm -hmm. still going on in the 80s for those of you young enough to (laughs) not learn about the cold Mm -hmm. war in school anymore um I think they still learn about the Cold War, Shane. Who knows? Um, (laughs) So in the 80s, action films predominantly, especially with things like Rambo, Mm -hmm. the enemies were the communists. They were the other. They were the proxy fighters Mm -hmm. of like communist movements. And this film flips it on its head. Mm-hmm. And the heroes are like a small workers' revolution of like mm-hmm. mutants. Yeah, it it so perfectly flipped on mm-hmm. its head the the narrative of action films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I, you go ahead. No, I was gonna let y'all wrap wrap this. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it does play into that as well of the idea of again, it's always been funny with action movies, especially when you brought that up of most people kind of hate corporations and it's kind of been always been this idea of people oh we hate the corporation uh but in actuality that people like really like they claim they hate it but people still buy from walmart people still buy from things because it is a necessity a, a i lot love of times. what the corporation gives me. yeah uh what they're sold uh and i did like that though of because it really is a classic story you attach to you attach to the downtrodden very quickly i mean even the you want to root for the the you want to root for the mutants you want to root for the 
the residents of Venusville. And one thing that really ties into that is one, you and this also goes against trope as well because our ugly characters are our nice guys or our good guys, the mutants, the ones who are deformed. Except for Benny. Well, Benny's Fuck a Benny. fucking scumbag. But and his five that's kids. a cab driver for you, so you can't. <laughs> Class trader. <laughs> but yeah, exactly, and Benny, and that's even brought up in the film is you're a mutant, and he's it's it's easily just brushed aside because he he gains a level of power in exchange for his and then ethics. Come to find out, the children that he's talking about, he needs to feed don't exist. This is for personal gain and a personal, like, position move. Also, Mm -hmm. uh, Arnold delivers one of the best lines whenever he kills him. Mm -hmm. Hey, Benny, screw you! And I did love, also, everything about the the one-liners in this movie are so goddamn good. This movie is so ridiculously quotable. That's, like, a point that I wanted to mention. The one from when you brought up when Benny's talking about the kids, and he's the the, the running gag is, I've got five kids to feed. Anytime Benny's in trouble, he's got five kids to feed. He's got to get some place. And then, finally, when we reveal after a major point where uh, Benny actually kills the leader of the mutant revolution. Comrade Quato. Quato, who is the, the sweetest little ugly boy I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he kills him, and then Quaid asks he he brings up he says oh i got four kids to feed and quaid says what happened to the fifth and he says oh shit i ain't even married and it, it shows that just <clears throat> the villains in this movie are just the scummiest motherfuckers one of my favorite quotes <laughs> so bad. is like in the very beginning when quaid goes to get implanted and it's like don't worry things don't fuck up all the time around here mm-hmm. like what <laughs> yeah 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 not something you want to hear um I did want to bring a point about like what our interpretation of the film is when it comes to dreams and realities mm-hmm. and memory, and um, we can uh, we can save that till after we get through like summarizing a little bit of Philip K. Dick because okay. I think it'll lend context. Okay. Yeah. To I the agree. work. So, Philip K. Dick was a sci-fi author in the '60s. He is responsible for works that you've probably seen adapted to screen. Blade Runner was adapted from Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Comes with the highest recommendation. Mm-hmm. Total Recall. We can sell you... What? What is the title? We can sell you... We can remember it for you. Wholesale, wholesale. yeah. Uh, a Scanner Darkly, that weird rotoscoped film mm-hmm. with uh, Keanu Reeves and... It's uh, Richard Linklater directs it. Directed by Richard Linklater. Mm-hmm. Um, Electric Dreams on Amazon Prime is uh, an ad- an adapted anthology series. Incredible. Philip K. Dick is one of the most influential sci-fi writers of all time. I mean, you can look at almost all work in sci-fi today and see his mark. It's sort of like uh, with the growth of cyberpunk, his book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, sort of laid out the groundwork. The movie adaptation created the look for cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a writer, I cannot remember his name right now, was writing a little book called Neuromancer, mm-hmm. which really solidified cyberpunk as a style. Mm-hmm. And I think you can even look at Total Recall as being cyberpunk in a few ways. Anyways, Philip K. Dick's theme. I think you're thinking of William Gibson. William Gibson. That runs through, Philip K. Dick's theme that runs through all of his books is a question of identity. It is a question of where do people fit into society? Where does religion fit into identity and society? And the effects of that 
wholesale. I think the double identity is something we should really delve into because I like oh, how yes. it was represented on screen metaphorically as well as quite literally when Quaid uh, produces the hologram of himself. Yes. Not even the hologram. I also, that was great too. I love Quaid hiding in the, the creepiest scene in this movie. Like, Quaido may be visually gross, but him hiding in the, the large woman and like her, oh like the God. freak out at the, uh, at the checkpoint. So well done. And also, yeah, I, 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 this entire movie, every important character in here is, is like a dual character. There's a dichotomy here. We have Quaid Hauser. We have Lori, who I don't know. I think we. I think her name is Lori, but again, again, she may have the same name, but she leads wife handler. Yeah, type of wife role. handler, uh, other wife <laughs> mm-hmm. for Richter. Uh, the only real character who doesn't kind of uh, lead a double, because even our revolutionaries lead doubles, because they are just regular workers who are also revolutionaries and fighters. The only person who isn't a double is Richter. Richter's just kind of an asshole the entire time, and I kind of <laughs> respect him for it. Uh, because even Cohagen, Cohagen represents as he's the closest to being, he's close to being similar to Richter, but he does have his public persona, which is still just kind of like a hard line, like classic style of politician. Like he's like hard on crime and just wants, like, he's like, these people just want to like have a freeway and things like that. Uh, but so he puts, a, he, he's, people don't like him. He doesn't, he comes across as very gruff, but he's not to the evil, non-caring level in his public persona as he is in private. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Richter's the only one I can really think of who is kind of just... And with Benny, the traitor, not only being a mutant traitor, but just also being an all-around just like weird character. Oh, yeah. Just scummy. Again, like I said, scummy, scummy all around. Even our hero is scummy because our hero is... He's the villain. Yeah. Well, Richter's kind of our control character, I feel like, because like you said, he's the only character who doesn't have a double identity. Yeah. Consistently so just like, a dick. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> getting into. Like, he's our control, and I think he almost represents something inherent within humanity that is evil, a.k.a. a big-ass dick. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm getting from his character, is that society has to be governed because it's inherently evil and without it people have double identities everything like that mm-hmm. people will use what they can to their advantage as far as morphing their personality goes mm-hmm. i also did like how i can't remember the exact quote but it's richter you don't think you do you follow yeah because <laughs> richter and also i do love that cohagen realizes this throughout the movie and pretty much the entire time we finally learn that Quaid is just being helped the entire time by Cohagen to because he needs he needs Quaid, aka actually Hauser, mm-hmm. to, to infiltrate, infiltrate and find the leader of the rebellion. And he knows Richter will fuck it up. And Richter almost fucks it up on several different occasions. Because he's being cupped. Yeah. <laughs> he's really mad about being yeah. cupped. He's he's completely pissed. And also he's mad too because he just he wants to be in power so badly, and that's so realized throughout the film, and he he's he can't. And just, the yeah. levels of being cucked are amazing. Oh, his boss is the one who technically mm-hmm. cucked him. Yeah. His sub-boss, and then his boss-boss just thinks, he's like, you are my drone. He's like, you are my goon. Pretty much just states it. You don't get to think, you're my goon. I don't care if your wife's dead. You're my goon. Do what I say. Oh, just that just line, like, I'd be upset, too, if I had someone like Quaid, uh, what is it? 
stucking or like porking my wife por- porking my wife like oh you think she's enjoy it he goes you don't think she is yeah, yeah he says kind of no like, she hates it God, yeah such everyone a good in this character. movie is really horny for quaid Everyone. This is prime Arnold. That's why I feel like the fact, uh, that's why it kind of makes sense that, you know, because Arnold had creative control over the script and how his character was portrayed, kind of just makes me wonder how much of it was just him. You know, just, I wanted to think of a big beef man. Well, think about why he changed the job from office worker to construction worker. Mm-hmm. You can't rationalize being ripped like that sitting and in front of like an IBM. Can't, you can't rationalize muscles like that sitting in front of like a fucking IBM and a calculator. Say, it makes Richard Dreyfus was was the first choice for this character, which is hilarious. That's a way different <laughs> film. Many Richard Dreyfus. Also, um, Cronen- <laughs> Cronenberg was actually set to direct it originally, and a lot of his a lot of the mutant creations <laughs> were actually Cronenberg's invention. So I they kind of kept that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I really wanted to talk about, and Kelsey actually said this and uh it just kind of like ties everything together and she was basically saying how we create memories based on how we perceived our reality Mm -hmm. and so like there's like this whole belief that like um and through like regression therapy or sorry yeah memory or regression therapy and like hypnosis like Mm -hmm. uh that tap into our deepest memories like we can actually misremember things i mean everything everything that we perceive as reality isn't necessarily reality um, and so I like the whole line, like the very first line that Laurie says is face it, Quaid, your whole life is a dream. Yeah. Because he never really existed. He's just a fraction of, uh, of like this, of this other personality. It, it's so, it's so meta. And I love the fact that they were selling an ego trip because, uh, I feel like this kind of ties into ego death. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who has an ego death, one of the things that you realize is that you're not always going to be the hero. Sometimes you're going to be the villain. Sometimes you're both. It just, oh. I keep leaning back. I think it's just like I'm not used to being talking directly into a, um, a microphone. But yeah, so it's like you're not always going to be the villain of the story. I mean, the hero of the story, not always going to be the villain. You're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so I like how that kind of ties in also with just knowing a little bit of background on Philip K. Dick. Uh, Philip K. Dick is that he had issues with identity later on in oh, life. Yeah. And later. so that definitely plays a lot in his writing and his films. Um, yeah, I think this like one movie is just like one giant ego death. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I yeah, got it's from a it. Very, yeah, this movie is all about, it, it constantly plays throughout this movie of, okay, is, is it a dream? Is, are we just still at recall with Quaid? And every time you think you've almost got it figured out, every time you're like, okay, he's dreaming, it turns it on its head and you're questioning that again. And then you'll be like, oh no, he's living this reality. Mm-hmm. He had like recall. Mm-hmm. And then it'll turn that on its head. Because, like, whenever he, like, before he goes under, like, after getting the sedative, mm-hmm. when he's picking out his perfect woman, you see on the screen Melina. Mm-hmm. And this You was see one her thing, image. Yeah, this is one thing that Shane talked to me about. He said, okay, I get all the other parts. It all makes sense to me. It, it can't be real, but that moment is too perfect. And then I brought up to him, except when you go back to Cohagen being the one who sets us all in motion. It. Yeah, and knowing that, of course he would want him to pick us. And you're, God damn. They, they, they covered every track to keep yeah. you as confused and yeah. mind-fucked the as only possible. Thing... I think a lot of our answers are hidden like in the film technique. Like uh, mm-hmm. when, you see, when you see Quaid going under and they're doing almost sort of a Zolly shot to mm-hmm. create this dream sequence. And mm-hmm. then especially the editing in the very end when it fades to white instead of fading to black, which symbolizes an end. 
white typically symbolizes a beginning, like a baby being born, mm. someone being reborn into heaven, waking someone up. coming like out of a dream. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of our answers maybe can't be found within the plot, but they can be found within the technique of the film. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And on on the technique, I wanted to ask somebody to look it up really quick. What That's film stock was this shot on? Because the grain in this so film bad. is like... <laughs> so bad. It, it's so bad, but it's also like, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's sort of like Mandy-esque, where like the grain is there almost like... It's almost a part it, of the technique. It it's fills, the style. It yeah. fills. It just says Kodak, Kodak film stocks. Okay. Yeah. I thought it would be on Fujifilm. It kind of had that kind of like green. <laughs> it has tent. an advertisement for Fujifilm in the movie. So it, it was they did use Zeiss lenses. They just didn't say. Oh yeah, well Zeiss is yeah, amazing. Our four one took away the triple boob part so heavily because it made me think of every movie I've ever watched that had a woman with three boobs in it, and then I realized that I think this trope is more impactful than it might lead on to because i this is not this is for research purposes what other three boob movies are there so i know so i have (laughs) (laughs) the actress in this movie i actually fumbled on finding out how to pronounce her name but it looks like lysha naff is the one who plays the triple boobed prostitute in total recall then we have Linda Fetter, who is a well-known stunt woman. She's in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, as a triple boob suspected alien. Um, she's Suspect. also in Dumb and Dumber as a three-boobed woman. And then we have Annie Wood in Good Luck Chuck. There are actually many, many more movies with three-boobed women, as pointed out in the article Beyond the Boobs on the Uproxx website that I read through <laughs> very heavily very last night. Extensively. Wow. Uh, very extensively. Um, what is the like socioeconomic impact of the three-breasted woman? <laughs> what do the the triple So titty? we need to we refer like to this boobs. with the medical term which is polymastia. Polymastia. Ah, <laughs> okay. I like that. Yes. <laughs> um it almost made me think so you know symbolism of female breasts in movies is usually related to liberation so with the third boob are we doubling down on the liberation aspect or are we taking away from it because usually the three boobed women in these movies are freaks of nature obviously um actually the author of the article that i was reading reminded me a lot about tyler and the way he was talking about three boobed women he's like you know they all look like monstrosities and then in quotation mark or parentheses, he said, you know, unless you're a three boob woman reading this, then you keep on going, you freaky, you freak of nature, you. <laughs> no, she's the most normal looking, quote unquote, mutant in the entire Is film. that supposed to be foreshadowing to the triple agent thing? I don't Ooh. think so. <laughs> <laughs> that was Arnie going. But we were allowed yeah, to that was definitely, you know what? That was definitely Arnold seconds. being like, I need, a th- I need a with three tits. Let's make it happen. Or maybe that was Cronenberg. Because he. Because he know, did kind of create them. You know what's 33.3% more sexy than two breasts? <laughs> One more. That was the executive well, I producer. Like it because there's like a lot I of love seeing queens. the gears work in Shane's head when he was doing that math. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how like it's actually starting to kind of come... It's like I've seen like a lot of drag queens and like a lot of people in drag culture kind of reference like the three boob. 
as well yeah so it's like it's, also it's it would be 50 percent sexier than two boobs shane no no because if it's two boobs and they're each 50 percent, oh, that's 100 percent. if you split it into thirds it's 33.3 percent for each no one. but you're adding on a whole boob so i've known this man into- for at least five years this is the quickest i've ever seen him do math <laughs> but he was wrong because if no, you split it into no. thirds Yes. No, it, if you split 100% into thirds, it is 33.3. I understand that, but if you split two boobs between 100%, it's 50% per boob. So then three boobs will be 150% boob. But if you add a third boob to it, it knocks the other no, two you don't, down. You don't, you don't add a third boob to it before you do the percentage because it is more. So you take so the it's total 150% and you it by more th- sexy? No, it's 50% more boob. You're adding an entire boob as opposed yeah, so the to the original two boobs. Yeah, so the total would be 150%. This titty man <laughs> No, you don't, you don't take into account the total after the extra. It's the total Jesus. before the extra boob. You it have a degree. percent more boob. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, who's right? So, okay, wait. I'm just I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be a... So if there's a triple-breasted lady, is there a double-dong man? I would hope yeah, so. Maybe three. I mean, three balls are a thing. So like, but that's like a normal. It's probably one. the weirdest thing I stumbled across at like fifteen, learning about like how internet porn worked. I've seen a, a man with two penises. But was it real or was it like a? Prosthetic? I think it was probably a prosthetic. Oh, it was actually. It, it was. It wasn't. I mean, they have women it wasn't, with two. I mean, they it have wasn't women like, with two vaginas, <laughs> and you can have two uterus. It wasn't built on top. Yeah, it was double stacked, not oh. next to each other. Double. So it wasn't. It wasn't like a fork in the road. We're talking like a. Yeah, like it's a double smanish. stacked, perfect DP. So okay, so that was the most intense conversation <laughs> of this entire fucking shindig. Math, I don't know how to I, test this correct. Lainey, I just want to appreciate the time that you took to research that. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for doing that service to the film community. Chase <laughs> pulled out his phone you know, and is now I, dealing. There was one thing I could not stop thinking about all night, and it wasn't the gratuitous violence or the implicit sexuality. It was absolutely the three boobed prostitute. It just looks like. I mean, I want to know how many people played with them on set. Because I would no hope way. not. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> like I would hope like, not. Hash- hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> me too. Like, but like, I mean, really, me too aside, like, I, if I was an actress and I had three boobs strapped on me, I would be waving that in everybody's face. Shane's like, guys, please stop sexually assaulting people. And we're like, titties. Do you think they just play with the one, though? That had to be passed around on set. They probably kicked it around like a hacky set. The whole thing looks like a prosthetic. It probably, like, comes off and then, like, like someone plate. is just holding it just like... <laughs> that runner had that PA had the best job all day. I gotta keep these tits clean. I'm the boob runner. <laughs> I got the titties. <laughs> I'm there's some some slack jaw kid from Missouri just showing up on set in Mexico Missouri? City. Yeah, he's Missouri. from Missouri. Missouri. It's not Missouri Missouri. in Missouri. Oh my god. <laughs> so uh, okay. did we want to talk about the foreshadowing uh with the gold? No, I still want to talk yeah. about the boobs. Uh, more titty. I'll say this titty lady died a valiant death. Because she yeah. was just She got shit. shot in the fucking back, yeah. dude. Yeah. Richter is by, again, solidifying Richter as pure scumbag. Yeah, like him just shoot. Richter did not give a dick about anyone in this movie. He took exactly 33.3% of the community away that day. <laughs> <laughs> he took exactly 150% of the titty community. No, it's 50%. It's 50%. I will go to. Oh. Well, I mean, technically, technically, it's 100%. This is the only cause I will go to war for. 
This is the breaking of a friendship. You're you're hearing it live. <laughs> the breaking of a friendship. Uh, I'm not good at math. <laughs> not a great defending yeah, why point am I for arguing your argument. With a stupid guy. <laughs> I love Shane's sticking point for the end of it. Of after being like, he did provide proof. He did provide evidence to, for his argument. Was oh yeah, by the way, I do have a learning disability. <laughs> that was a sticking point. And I was a little wrong. It's point. 33, 33, 33, 33, 33. Okay, so speaking Continuing. of scumbags, uh, did anyone else notice how... Uh Quaid used a random bystander as like a body shield that for the shootout. That was the shootout. funniest that was like badass. Part. That was like, I thought he was being a good guy. <laughs> he just, just like, <laughs> he, so, he turned that's that just guy collateral damage, baby, into ground meat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, at one point, like at that, okay, at that point, and you shoot. Okay, either both of y'all shoot twice because he can't turn both ways, or just like throw <laughs> something at him at that point. He just holds him up. That dude, oh, I'm glad he died on the first shot because he you just know, kept getting that hit. That guy was probably at the mall like, oh, man, I really fucked up with Jessica. I've got to get her, like, a gift. I've got to go to the mall. <laughs> and he gets fucking just riddled with fucking bullets on the fucking escalator. At least his dying thought was, oh, at least I don't have to get that fucking gift now. I can't imagine if he survived being like, Jessica, you won't believe this. He literally, like, this is the like, last time. You make the same excuse every week, David. Okay, I do love that this is another trope thing because like, there is that trope of like, oh, using a person to stop a bullet, which is just complete false. It's not going to happen. Don't try it, ladies and gentlemen. No. But, no. oh, it will not. Maybe a 22, maybe? Or like, Tyler if you're... knows this from his own personal research. <laughs> or if maybe someone's like attacking you with a slingshot, that'll probably work. I feel, I feel like if it's like a fragmenting round, like a yeah. hollow point or something like that. I'll tell you this: you won't take fucking like <laughs> from a submachine gun and pistols, nine millimeters, more likely than not, from like fifteen feet. And if there's, I don't know, forty-seven <laughs> bullet holes. Yeah. But that's the thing too: is it almost takes it because it lasts so long. The sequence is such a long part of the film; it almost becomes comedy. Oh, I was laughing it's from the so start. It's so perfect. It's this movie so was perfect. ridiculous. Like the comedian, I feel like Arnold just wants to be a comedian. <laughs> it's a funny fucking. And this is also a Verhoeven thing. Uh, Verhoeven loves to RoboCop, not as much. RoboCop is kind of just a dark film all the way around. But uh, you look at Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves to joke. One, he loves to joke on fascism. He portrays fascism in such a realistic way, and I think it, it, it's important that Verhoeven does this. But also, he loves to fucking goof on them. And he just loves to goof so much in his films. But they still retain this, like, serious quality and this real, like, ethos and pathos to them. Yeah. They still have a very hard emotional center. I mean, like, the Starship Troopers look like Nazis. Yeah, they... they, And (laughs) in that movie, you're like, kill the fucking bugs! Yeah! (laughs) And then you're like, wait a minute. Who do these bugs represent? Who are these bugs? We are definitely going to talk about Starship Troopers because it's such a gem. At some point, it is it's magical. But this is Tremors so this is, first. This is Ver, this is Verhoeven's second movie in this in this sort of this weird conglomeration of ultra violence. He also did Showgirls, and I would love to talk oh, about Showgirl. Showgirls. Oh, that's so cool. I fucking love. I don't care how bad Showgirls could have could have so used an, another titty. You know what? Could have used another triple boot. It could have used fifty percent more titty, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between thirty-three point three percent and fifty percent titty. I feel we like I'm a politician right now. Compromise forty-two percent titty. Zero, well, okay. just wrong. Technically, it's zero point three three three. Continuing. Um, 
right, but I'm can, done with this argument. We can wrap up. We can wrap up the titty argument. Yes, because I, I, I agree. Like to move along. I will never wrap up the titty argument. <laughs> this is <laughs> never. This this podcast <laughs> is 33.3 percent titty <laughs> argument. <laughs> I won't have it another way. Can we talk about? Philip K. Dick's religious experience. So we're going from titties to dick? All right, let's do we're, it. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay, okay. So, let's talk dick. At some point in Philip K. Dick's amphetamine-addicted life, from his perspective, an angel came down and introduced to him Vallis by shooting a beam of blue light into his forehead and revealing to him that he was living a parallel life as a soldier in Caesar's legion during the time of Christ. Okay. So he started writing a series of books starting with the Why first is one. It always Jesus. Or called Vallis. And he wrote it through a character. The main character's name is Horse Lover Fats. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Yes, no. that is the name of the main no, character. It's not. No, I'm looking it up in right now. What the fuck it is? This is one of the most brilliant writers <laughs> the of the 20th this century. Horse Lover is no. is an avatar for no. Philip K. Dick. I feel like we just got owned by Shane. <laughs> that was his avatar. <laughs> Horse, Horse lover fat. Lover fat. Yeah. He never finished the series, by the way, before he like died. There's no. Oh my fucking god! Was it fat with a Z? <laughs> It is. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia, so it must be true. But <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> Shane's. I, this was not a fever dream in Shane's um, mind. I read it's the brain book. didn't melt. This but sounds yes. a lot like Equius. So um, Philip K. Dick struggled a lot with identity, and you can see that through his work. Obviously, we've already covered that. Um, you can look at the question of Blade Runner. Is Deckard? A replicant. Yeah. We never find an answer for it. In the book, it is hinted and then hinted against. Mm-hmm. It is it is the duality of identity that Philip K. Dick keeps returning to. You look at his book that is now an Amazon Prime television show, The Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen enough to know if it's about identity, but it's about a parallel universe mm-hmm. where the Nazis win the war. And there is a resistance movement of Americans against Nazi occupation in the United States. And the United States are split between the Japanese in the West Coast and the Nazis in the East Coast. Highly recommend go home, read more about Philip K. Dick. He's almost as interesting as his books. Yeah, I think the important thing to remember about Philip K. Dick is, and also this is a lot of the sci-fi writers too, a lot of the sci-fi writers have a, a plethora of short story work. And a lot of it has, like, like Total Recall has been adapted into really well-made pieces of entertainment and art. Uh, and also, yeah, I think, also going into, uh, we touched upon this a little bit earlier with, and I think it's a, it's a mainstay of Total Recall, and it is the idea of, okay, wait, are we just in Quaid's head, or did this actually occur? And if you, sometimes we look towards the source material for more answers, uh, don't go towards a short story looking for that because it's even more ambiguous. I made the mistake of doing that. I'm like, oh, let me read the short story yeah, for it's, context. It's even and more went ambiguous. Down the rabbit <laughs> hole. I feel like they left with the perfect amount of ambi- ambiguity, though. Yeah, no, this is yeah. part of it. I, as I was, I was talking to Shane off camera earlier, off mic earlier, about I think that Verhoeven purposely made it to where, to me, it feels like he's kind of nudging you into the idea of like, 
with uh, 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 Melina's, one of her last lines is, well, he, Quaid asks, like, what if this is a dream? And she says something along the lines of, well, if it's a, a dream, kiss me before you wake up. And then we have the kiss. Then we have the end credit roll. I think I feel like he nudges you so close to the edge. And then when you start thinking about it and rewatch it, you see all these points pointing in the in the for and the against column to where it just leaves you in this mind fuck continuum of oh, wait, wait. you think so much about it after the movie's over. And you can take it piece by piece every five mm-hmm. minutes and try to break it down and you will come up with a contradicting answer for you know every other frame it's like oh well he's sweating in this one so he knows he's a human and he's actually a double agent and then it goes into the next sequence where he goes to take a pill i think it just uh, i don't think it's meant to have an answer and i don't i I think it kind of goes along with the whole trope of like an unreliable narrator because like everything like like everything that this dude believes in is completely shattered when he realizes that he has been duped by his by himself and if you look at some of Philip K. Dick's like interviews, he talks a lot about he he was one of the first few people. I'm not gonna say as like fact he was one of the first, but I I think based on what I've researched, he was one of the first people to introduce like the idea of like we live in a simulation, and that goes back to uh, who is the boss in uh, Total Recall, the, uh, the antagonist, Cohagen. Yeah, so like all the arguments to this is really happening is like okay, well, if this is really happening, what about all of these coincidences where this just happens to be here, this just happens mm-hmm. to be here? And the answer is always like, oh, Cohagen orchestrated this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't that be in the programming of the memory so that it feels real it to could, every it detail? It could play yeah. into the, the, you, the fantasy even further. You can contradict every single like conclusion you mm-hmm. come to. It's it's, And I think the reason that he makes it so contradictory is because this movie... I feel personally more than anything else is about escapism and how people in the eighties heavily relied on escapism through media because we had this huge resurgence of optimistic film that kind of took people out of what was going on politically, like especially the cold war. So we have all the fun hits like Indiana Jones, Labyrinth, Batman, ET, and people are just kind of living their life through this media as their own. And I think that's one reason they like it, to leave it ambiguous. Yeah, and going off of that I point, like that. I think it's important, too, to look at this. Of This also plays into the idea heavily, which also, again, Verhoeven really heavily goes into this in RoboCop, of the, because we have segments in, especially in sci-fi, of, because we, we almost always look at sci-fi as the, the trope of 20 minutes into the future where it's still a connected world. They still have automobiles. They still use guns we can recognize. They still have the Hilton. They still have Pepsi, but it's all futurized. It's set in a distant enough future to where it's new to us. It's, it's intriguing, but we can still blatantly understand all the technology and the societal structure. And we play into that too because in the, in the 80s, we have this idea of the mega corporation. Specifically, the Japanese megacorporation in the early 80s, which is reflected in some of the, the sci-fi media. But when you look at uh, going to the, the, the late 90s when the U.S. is – or the late 80s, early 90s when the U.S.'s economy recovers and we have – and Jap- the Japanese economy starts to falter a little bit. Now the megacorporation is still intact, but now it's the American megacorporation. 
which is inherent in this film because this film made in 89, released in 90, right in that that tail end with also, I believe RoboCop was in 87, if I'm not mistaken. And so, so it also I'm ties sure. into that idea of the, the late 80s American mega corporation, which we, we view as this will run society. We sort of accepted it as these will be the people, the corporation will take the place of the government per se. And we see that in the, the Cohagen pretty much runs Mars as a corporation. He is their, their head. He's, I don't think he's ever listed as like a governor or a president or anything. He may be, if I'm mistaken, but he, he runs the corporation of Mars. He runs the mining operation, which is directly tied to the political standing of the Northern Bloc in their war. And so I think it's, this movie, it, it ties in that Verhoeven's ideas and also the ideas of sci-fi in the late 80s. Did we want to with the megacore? Did we want to start talking about because uh, the only person we haven't talked about is uh, Quato? The third act of this movie, yeah, <laughs> is such a fucking roller coaster ride. Okay, so first of all, the moment we get, I love the act of <laughs> of moving from they're escaping. We have it accepted, and also an early point in the movie of when he finally meets Melina again. He, he, mm-hmm. When Quaid gets to Venusville and he meets Melina, this woman of his dreams, but he doesn't know her, but mm-hmm. she remembers him. And the resistance remembers him, but they think he's betrayed them because he's just now coming back. Also, another great one-liner where the, the heavily mutated man with the kind of vagina face, he tells him, you have, you have a you, <laughs> brave you showing your face here. And he says, same with you. Same, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's like, such a, so many good one-liners in this movie. But Melina, she slaps Quaid and accuses him of just using her to get inside the movement, to get inside the rebel movement. I mean, we'll get back to that in a moment. But once we, we escape back into Venusville, and after Richter and his group sort of, they locate uh, Quaid, Melina, and Benny, and the residents of Venusville take them in and shuffle them into the hideout in Venusville that, that they built into the bar. These catacombs. Yeah, the, the catacombs, mm-hmm. which are also the, the remnants of the original Martian society mm-hmm. and, like, the original miners and everything. And also, creepy thing, super well done, having the skeletons just in the background as the characters are having these conversations. Kind of makes you wonder if, like, the original Martians that were there were used as slave labor or as a slave... Yeah, it was a labor force yeah, I, I until, they, until they were until they were until they were killed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have the moment where we finally Benny is accepted. Finally, they accept Quaid because they they the leader we have. Uh, he's a seemingly leader of the group. He accepts Quaid in. He's like, okay, Quaid Hauser, whoever this man is, I trust him. Melina, we should trust him. The group should trust him. It's time he meets Quato. It's time he meets the leader. And then they accept Benny in because Benny showcases he's a mutant he his lower arm is mutated he's a quote-unquote victim he should be in for the cause so we think Mm. and then we get we have quaid ushered away to meet quato and quato is this little so quato is technically a conjoined twin who again is done amazingly through special effects i I think think, like 14 like people operating like uh robotic arms and movements it's an incredible feat of like practical effects. I, so amazing, and also I think it's important to remember that the outside of the practical effects, which help build the character characterization of 
Quato so much is Quato is he's the enjoined twin who is he's in the belly of his brother and he can't he has no real freedom but he is sev- extremely almost to a level severely empathetic he's he's the most powerful psychic on the planet he's you can consider the most powerful mutant on the planet extremely empathetic and is the leader of this movement and I love the moment because it's so creepy but also almost brought a tear to my eye because the only way he can read people's minds and the reason they have Quaid there so he can draw out Quaid's memories as Hauser because he has the inside information to, to free the, the mutants and the enslaved populations of Mars is to give me your hands, take my hands. Yeah. And that moment and finally when he does it, we have that connection slowly that builds and also another great visual sequence. In this movie, it's so many great visual sequences. I just like the fact that he has to use his brother's eyes. Yeah. That too, it's, like that, like... It's uh. such a tightly put together thing. And Quato, and again, even when he... And then after this happens, we have we, we had the reveal of, oh, there's Quaid realizes through Quato bringing out the memories, there's a, there's a way to make air. The Martians left a mechanism that would turn the, the, the ice caps, the ice core of Mars into an atmosphere. And that immediately after we had this reveal, the, the, the others break in. Cohagen's men break in. And we have a chase, takes off. They finally escape, but then as they're cornered away, getting ready to get into spacesuits, we have Molina, Quaid, Benny, Quato, and his brother. Who I always forget his name, but we have the five of them. Four, five. <laughs> we have the five of them. Uh, I'm considering Quato a man. <laughs> and we have the five of them, and they're getting their spaces ready to escape onto the surface of Mars, and that's when Benny has the reveal and mm-hmm. shoots Quato's brother and him. And Richter then comes in. We have the, the reveal that Benny's a traitor and working for Cohagen. And then we have Quato's dying words, which is like, turn on the reactor. Like, Quaid, turn on the reactor. Free his, Mars. Yeah, free Mars. In his dying breast, he still has that severely empathetic quality, mm-hmm. which I think is, per- again, such a perfectly put-together character. I'm curious as what y'all think about that character. Oh, I, I just, m- I Most important character in the film. It was, it was very shocking, and again, that kind of ties into the special effects, and I love, I love the fact that Cronenberg had a hand in making the mutants, because that makes so much sense, because there's, Cronenberg has a certain aesthetic when it comes to his films, and he's very good with body horror. Mm-hmm. And he's really good with his designs for his own like creatures, and so I feel like if I feel like if it wasn't for Cronenberg having like a hand in that or a play in that, it wouldn't have been as effective. Like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else could mm-hmm. could uh, could ha- you know could re- kind of recreate that and make something mm-hmm. that's so inhuman and disgusting be like. Also, so perfectly the heart human. Of, so yeah. perfectly yeah. human. Yeah. In fact, more than human. Even the, uh, the 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 girl who we originally, the first mutant we see, really, who's this young girl whose face is burnt, and Quaid has a very sweet interaction with her, where she mm-hmm. guesses his uh, sign. I believe. Oh, you're Taurus. a Taurus. Yeah, Taurus. Yeah. Such a. I love that moment in the film because we see that Quaid, it, Quaid as a character is good. He's inherently a good person, mm-hmm. even though in a later reveal we see there's there's conflicting information that we'll get to in a moment. But I, the, the, the mutants of the movie are the most good. They're, they are most violently good characters. Mm-hmm. They have no flaws. It's called a butterface. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> You're That's a monster. Good. I got to say, though, when 
Quado comes out of the stomach and he says, "What do you want, Mister Quaid?" It fucking <laughs> scarred me for life. It's <laughs> so well done. So one so of the good. reasons why I was hesitant about revisiting this film is because my so my family had a vast VCR. V- VCR, VHS collection, and they had every 80s action film, every sci-fi film, every Clint Eastwood, every Bond, every Schwarzenegger, all that stuff. And I remember as a kid seeing the gasping for air scenes, like on Mm -hmm. Mars, like the... And, like, the eyes and the tongues bulging out. Like, that, to me, (laughs) fucked me up more than the mutants. That (laughs) fucked me up more than the probe and the Mm -hmm. brain. Like... The eyes no. are very intense. The yeah, tongue. Yeah. The, yeah there's yeah. no yeah. way so the, their face would it's work. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> Just Arnold screaming. <laughs> oh, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> eyes are fucking 14 sizes too big. Uh, I thought Coagan had a great end. Yeah, also, that was I lo- poetic. That was poetic I love justice. the moment, too, where... So we have the reveal after they are kidnapped again, where it is... It's Quaid and Melina, who are our only real characters left who can make a difference. Everyone else is being suffocated in Venusville. Cohagen makes an order, and a perfect moment in Cohagen, where they're like, what do we do about the people in Venusville? Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. I don't mm-hmm. care. Fuck them. Who cares? I don't have to turn the oxygen back on. I got what I want. Yeah. Fuck them. Who cares? We don't need to worry about them anyways. That's where all the rebels are. Fuck them. I just, so part, he's a scummiest character. He's such a scumbag. I love it. And then we have the, the reveal of, we have the recordings for Quaid, like give them the air, they need the air, <laughs> and then we reveal the Hauser actually tricked Quaid into helping him along this journey. So Hauser is the 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 first personality of Quaid. I would say he's the dominant first personality. Quaid is the implanted personality of uh, Hauser that they use. It's revealed that Quaid was implanted into Hauser so that he would go and actually be able to infiltrate. Because Hauser meets Melina, gets into the group by feigning defection and growing a conscience to defect from Cohagen. And that's how he gets his first in. But in Cohagen's words, the psychics always sniffed us out. So they needed to brainwash. They implanted and then, I wouldn't necessarily say brainwashed Quaid, but they, they leave pieces that lead him into the idea that, oh, Hauser was actually I, Hauser, me, this issue of dual personality, was a good person who was defecting from the evil Cohagen. When in reality, their plan worked perfectly. It was a plot. It was yeah. orchestrated, and it worked to the T. They killed Quato. Mm-hmm. They killed the leader. They've destroyed the rebellion. The only people left for the rebellion are now, they've been kidnapped, and they're about to be, their minds erased. Hauser... I want my body back. Uh, he, Hauser, oh, so scummy too. The smile that Schwarzenegger has in this film. He plays, I love how he plays both roles so differently. Hauser, this perpetually like affable and mm-hmm. confident individual. And Quaid, this just confused motherfucker who has no idea what's going on, but just but wants to help. But like so competently yeah. violent. Yeah, so competently violent. And also he wants to help people. We see that the, 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 the personality of Quaid, who is the current, embodying personality of this individual is a good person. He wants to help the people. He wants to help the mutants win. And also he does have a love for Melina. He's whereas Hauser was just using her. And then we have the reveal of, oh, I'm getting my body back. And also Melina, you're now going to be a subservient wife to Hauser. 
and then oh, oh it was such a ugh, yeah, it's a scummy a further scummy moment by Cohagen. Oh yeah. And I thought it was played so well together. And then the the I'll see you at the party. And, yeah, see you at the party, Victor. Richter, Richter gets his <laughs> Richter gets his little bit in of is he gonna remember any of this? No. And just fucking Dex <laughs> Quaid right in the face. And which is just a and you see the look in Quaid's eyes of like, this isn't over. Yeah. This isn't over. And then leading into that, before we enter like the last little bit of the film, of and I love this part so much because I didn't realize this growing up and watching the film. It's been a long time since I'd seen this movie, but I grew up on it. Of when we know we have visions of people in Venusville suffocating. And we have Cohagen after he reveals to Richter, you know what? Fuck it. Go kill him. This is you've done your job, Richter. I don't care anymore. Fucking go kill Quaid. You ha- you have your bit. You have my permission. Fuck it. Go kill him. I don't need him anymore. He's done my job. Which again, Cohagen, his best friend, who he says is his best friend, and we see as the as a zoom out of the video call or video recording of Hauser, Cohagen's been there the entire fucking time. But just out yeah. of frame. Another great reveal. But yeah, and then Richter gets his go-ahead, go do it. And then Cohagen just fucking flips dick and just fucking kicks his goldfish over, and we see them suffocating. Cohagen, this idea of him just being a harsh, bad man who doesn't care. Because the people of Venusville are just like goldfish to him. They're his property. They're his people. Right. Because oxygen is a commodity. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. And he controls it. Cohagen controls the oxygen. I, I really the, hope yeah. we don't get to that point as a humanity. I really don't. That we get to I the mean, point. we've already commodified living spaces, uh, parking, water, um, pretty Food. much water. existing in public, water. So, transportation. I feel like this is almost indicative of some kind of future we would be looking at. So, so disappointing. And it's like all in our face, too. It's like, hey, all these movies that say this is bad. Let's do it anyway. Let's colonize Mars. There's a lot of three titty bitches. Do you want to pay to not freeze to death? It's these liberal art colleges. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I don't know why. I don't know why this quote, this one, the one liners in this film are so good. The one one liner that it perpetually gets me, and it's currently playing in my head is Cole Hagen, give these people the air. (laughs) That's the way he says (laughs) they need the air. They need the air. So good. But his uh, his death scene, I thought, was just poetic because like the goldfish that were suck- suffocating, like everyone else that was suffocating, uh, <laughs> Cohagen got thrown to the wolves and we watched his slow, antagonizing, like just slow death scene. Yeah, his just slow, agonizing, his slow like, agonizing, like last Eyeballs shooting out of their like sockets by their and, like, like stems. And Melina, like Melina and um, Quaid are also dealing with the same thing, but they get saved at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Because Quaid they- is able to activate... The, the, the reactor. reactor and Cohagen, don't do you fucking idiot! You're gonna kill us all. <laughs> and then he does it. And then also, I did love this point too. It's such a movie thing of like the fact that this half a million, like year old or five hundred million, a long, it's old ass reactor just works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also, it, and also, it's it, Martian it, technology. It just we, takes oh. a palm print, <laughs> not even from the hand that from the alien. Yeah, One guy in like Idaho fucked up by like raising a like fuel rod by two inches too high and like fucked everyone in that building but mm. this reactor just turns on his yeah. hand doesn't even fit in the fucking yeah, yeah, handprint yeah. Nope. It, but again but out of all of this movie because it's also so good and also it does help to believe it helps building a believable enough world you kind of don't care about it like it's the most yeah. nitpicky thing about the film I think and just sort of the end of like oh well they had a reactor. The Martians plan for this. They just never used it because for whatever reason. 
uh, but yeah, also I just the moment when we get to see I think my one of my favorite moments in the film when we get to see the mutants finally like realizing we're free. Like they don't know Cohagen's been killed, but they know all of a sudden that there's an atmosphere now. We mm-hmm. have protection. We have freedom through just the existence of air, <laughs> of oxygen that's not commodified. I'm yeah. going. I'm going to save a point about the atmosphere and the sky for whenever we wrap up and we all give our opinions as to whether it was a dream or mm-hmm. whether it was his reality. Mm-hmm. But there's something really interesting there that I feel like is another one of Verhoeven's little like. I'm gonna give you a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna take it away. Um. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. Okay, mm-hmm. I just uh, I just want to point out a theory. Um, when it's one of those ancient alien theories that mm-hmm. we have already lived on Mars, that Mars is our old Earth, that we destroyed all of its resources and destroyed its ozone, making it uninhabitable. Uninhabitable. I can't talk. Fuck. <laughs> Make it just like not it's livable. Not hospitable. <laughs> not hospitable. Uh, have you guys heard of uh, those starseed people? Oh my god. Oh that god. has to be one of the wildest things in people just want to be. I mean, people, some people just want to be so special. Um, no, but the thing about this is, is um, I genuinely think that these people think that they're aliens because oh. if you watch them and you interact with them in any capacity, they're just genuinely fucking insane. Um, like yeah. needs psychiatric help straight. That kind of goes into the whole room. indigo child thing, as well, because it's like all connected. But anyway, but I think it's kind of funny because in this universe, like we've totally fucked up Earth, mm-hmm. so we just go to an even more fucked up planet and fuck it up even more. Look at this. We're straying ball. into last podcast territory. <laughs> Look at this pristine <laughs> ball of beauty. I want to ruin it. Wait, you is know? Tyler Henry? honestly? Honestly, no. Oh, Tyler's Henry. Damn it, Tyler! I, he, he exposed his stomach to us earlier. That's a it's very not, Henry move. It's not my fault. Look at this white belly. You could bounce light off me. <laughs> Isn't Henry like a ninety-pound greasy gamer dude though? Henry Zabrowski? I don't think I've no. ever actually seen him. He's the greasy one, right? No, that's Marcus. Oh yeah, you're Marcus. <laughs> you greasy boy. Can I be Ben? Because that's the one everybody wants to fuck. So I want to be Ben. <laughs> I want to be the big boy. Okay, so in Summer, looking... if we stand on each other's shoulders, we could be Ben. Stand on my soul. All right, we could do that. We've we derailed. That. It went from Indigo Children <laughs> to Star Seed to Last Podcast on anyway, the left. It went Star. It went Ancient Aliens to Star Seed to Indigo Children to I want to be the one people fuck to stand on my shoulders so they can fuck us together. <laughs> Me and I Lainey think that can sounds like a off. pretty good game Me plan. Me and Lainey can pull yeah. it off. I can see. We'll it. put on a really long trench coat. Yes, yes, good, perfect. Hey, and that's your end to meet Ben because he chops it. Uh, what is it? Big and tall. It's the only yeah. way we could ever get y'all's trench coats at the them. same place. I'm pretty sure they just put a dinosaur <laughs> on his, like the label of his jackets because that's how big this fucker is. <laughs> they don't make them. I'm trying to think other aspects of this film that don't necessarily deal with things we've talked about. I think one thing that we spoke about a little bit in the beginning, but is another trope that this movie entirely plays off of, and we can also talk about it with the idea of even uh, PDK. PKD. PKD. PDK. (laughs) PKD. I was like, where does the... It's Dick. Philip K. Dick. What's the K stand for? Fuck if I'm... It's probably like Kelvin. (laughs) But... (laughs) 
And Fuck you. <laughs> I forgot. Summer dated a Kelvin. No, we're not talking about the that. The funniest name cut in the history of mankind. Cut it. No. Nope. Cut it. Nope. <laughs> nope. He's dead with Next everyone else. I used to, to, I used nope. to steal rum we're not from a Kelvin. About, nope. We're not talking about it. We're this not. Is, this is my son stop. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. <laughs> <They're> Celsius. <laughs> Fuck okay. you so, so hard. Fuck. His we're first not. name is Zero Degrees. <laughs> oh my god. That's his surname. <laughs> oh okay. my god. And so, but no, just the idea <laughs> oh of. Oh my god. The idea with <laughs> PDK. With PDK talking about. PKD. 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 God Stupid damn it. Fuck. Philip K. Are you dyslexic? Dick. No, it's only this one. It's only abbreviations that always get me. Then just say Philip K. Dick. Ah, but it's not as fun. PKD PK sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> PK Dick. You got the Philip Dick? <laughs> I, yeah, s- I, I see why he got, used K because Philip Dick does not work as well as Philip K Dick. Philip K Dick has an Philip air Dick, uh... has an air respectability to it. Philip Dick oh, runs about a general LRH store. Next, oh god, he prefers Richard. <laughs> he prefers... <laughs> I'm Philip Richard. Okay, so in looking at memory in this movie, we 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 brushed upon it a little bit in the beginning mm-hmm. but I feel like it's such an important aspect even in tying with the end of this film which also another good Schwarzenegger movie we could talk about uh, which it's, I believe it's uh, The Sixth Day it's a yes. cloning thriller oh, but man. deals with one. memory and this idea of like just because I remember it and also how we tie memory into the self and the total idea of recall which is remembering experiences that are completely fabrications and the idea of how we imbue that to the self and how what are we without memory right i wonder if anybody has any ideas on that because i want to hear what y'all oh, i have I, ideas i, have, I want to hear what y'all I have a think lot just that. because like um as someone who <laughs> who questions herself uh, a lot uh i've actually looked up like uh re- regression therapy and like so we all remember things differently. Like our memory, how we perceive our reality as a whole is totally different mm-hmm. from what how other people perceive our reality. Like, for example, say like growing up, you remember your child being very abusive. But whenever you talk to your parents, it's, oh, that never happened at all. What are you talking about? So like there's some evidence to suggest that like small things that like that might have happened in our early like developmental stages like the critical stage of life, like very big things like that would be hard for a child to process could, um, it's like hard to explain, (laughs) but I'm trying to like pull it all together and not like zoom in and out of the microphone. Um, But it's like this kind of like idea of like, we don't, we can remember things incorrectly. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like me falling off, uh, me, me getting hurt or experiencing some form of trauma like even if it's like on a small scale could be like completely blown out of proportion in a sense or like fabricated to be a lot bigger than Mm. what actually happened and it could have that like effect until we get older and we uh we kind of like either look at it from a different perspective or hear a different perspective of everything so um I kind of like that kind of idea, like, and that's why I kind of tried to summarize it in like we create our memories based on our perceived reality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because it's you know our our reality like this right here. Like, if I wasn't here, this wouldn't exist to me. Mm-hmm. These yeah, memories yeah. wouldn't exist to me. Mm-hmm. Like, if uh, if Shane wasn't here, like you know, like if we didn't know each other, we wouldn't exist. Like, yeah. you wouldn't exist in my world. Yeah. So it's uh, I like I like that. 
you know, the whole thing of like, oh, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, you know, he's not freaking out or whatever. He's just, uh, living out his, um, his ego trip. He's just living yeah, on yeah. his ego we, trip. We haven't implanted it yet. I love that line too. Yeah. We haven't implanted it yet. And the, the, the lead female side just being like, we haven't implanted it yet. And she walks away yeah. after they sedate him. But yeah. I do love the point you bring up of how we can misremember things. Cause I love yes. how we, we, we always insinuate that memory is so concrete. And, oh, I remember that happened. Of course it happened. Where, I love that eyewitness testimony. One of the most incorrect things and invalid things that is a part of the criminal justice system. Because, and I was a part of an experiment one time that write down things you saw, write down this event as it occurred, almost everything about it was incorrect. Right. Things even like what color shirt was he wearing? Completely, maybe two, two out of 30 people got that correct. We have to look at our brains as the computers that they essentially are. Mm -hmm. We're using our eyes, our nose, our ears to bring in information. Mm -hmm. It's broken down into electrical signals through our neurons Mm -hmm. and saved to our memory. Mm -hmm. And somewhere between here and there, you're going to miss details and your brain is so advanced that it fills those gaps for Mm -hmm. you. Because it doesn't need certain material. I need to realize this is a, a human in front of me talking and the information I'm getting is important, not that this human has certain colored eyebrows. And you can uh, look at Jungian science, if you want to call it a science, mm. um, of of dreams, the collective unconscious, the archetypes, and it goes back so far into our like history as human beings. Mm-hmm. Our reality is made up of, in part, our dreams, what our dreams mm. create. We've all had a dream where we've gone through a mundane day, mm-hmm. beginning to end. Wake up till those, you go to those bed. Those are scarier than the nightmares. And then sometimes. you wake up and you go through your day, mm-hmm. and you have like, uh, what is it? Deja vu, ennui. You experience mm-hmm. these things, but really you're just remembering the fragments of that mundane it's, it's dream. It's funny you've mentioned that because I've also experienced where. I have had a dream where, like, again, like, it was very normal, very normal dream. And sometimes whenever I'm doing something, I'll remember or have a memory, but it's not an actual memory. It's a memory of what I was doing in that mm-hmm. dream. Yeah. So it's like there's been times it's like, oh, I remember when I did this. And I'm like, wait, I didn't do that. That was in a dream. Or was it? Mm-hmm. Was it in a dream? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too, because you think about it, like, even trying to. The character of Quaid is so goddamn stressed throughout this entire film. Because at any point... My man doesn't stop. We have the moment mm-hmm. where we have the, uh, the, the head of Recall come in and try and convince Quaid to take the pill. This is a symbol. What does this do? It does nothing. It's a symbol. Take this, take this pill. It proves to, to us that you recognize you're, you're, having, you're in the delusion. You're in the schizoid state. This is a schizoid delusion... You're not really here. I'm a figment. These are all figments. Yada, yada, yada. And then that beat of sweat moment, and he just shoots him in the fucking head. I love it. It's just so perfect. Instead because it doesn't able- really answer the question. No, it doesn't. It, it proves that. Maybe it's just hot in that room. Yeah. I mean, it is Mars. I do love that that, that was the well, tell, Mars though. would be colder. It's further from the sun. I do love that that was the tell okay. for Quaid. Okay, logic. That's, that's the tell. Fuck you. <laughs> that's the tell for Quaid. But then you realize every the entire point of recall is you will not be able to indis- it will be indistinguishable. So wouldn't the people be able to sweat? Wouldn't they be sweating? Yeah, but the either? thing about it is, when you dream, do you dream 
in that great of detail do you dream about people sweating? But again, do it's you... not. It, but it's not a dream. It's a, it's a vacation experience. It's an embedded memory. Yeah. So I think it's important to okay. So pretty lousy vacation. When you play, when you play Sims, do you see your Sims sweating? Do you see beads of sweat on their forehead? No, you see them screaming at a toaster on the ground. In in the modding, I do. In Sims Four, <laughs> they can sweat. <laughs> okay, but Sims Four sucks dick. We've taken another realm. There's been, there's been so much the the tension like the here. Can I, Sims can I, Three is inarguably superior than Sims Four. Can I wrap back around to what I was gonna say? Yes. All right. No. So only if it has to deal with Sims and sweating. My, <laughs> I'm still unclear on where I stand on the end, but I'm led to think it's not a dream by one detail. Whenever they're setting him up for his recall, and they're like going through the settings, like here, pick like your ideal woman, pick this situation, pick these things, and then right before they put him in and they sedate him, one of the scientists says like, "A blue sky on Mars, that's interesting." Mm-hmm. And then they, we have the Zolly shot, and in the end, there is a blue, blue sky, sky on, on Mars, Mars yeah. with oh, an atmosphere. Shit. Okay. How could that have been orchestrated if? Mm-hmm. It was. We well, also have to take to into happen. account it hasn't happened yet. So if yeah. this is real time, there's no way that that would be a memory for him. Yeah. So yeah. It, it kind of also contradicts yeah. itself in that facet as well. And that's the point of this goddamn movie. It, ah! Everything about it, they give you so much, and then they all they they give you perfect. It's a perfect essay film for a film student because you can literally argue every point. You could argue that Quaid, it's, it, he could be a fucking goldfish in goddamn Cohagen's tank for all I care. It literally, everything you can tie into it. There's, little, there's, a, there's a, a pro and a con argument. There is a for and against. Every moment that you think it is, this has to be the point. That this is, it's, it's the implant. He's just at recall still. He's getting lobotomized because he's, he's pushed away everything. Which also, if that, having either of these endings, you either have, a great ending in that oh, he saved, he did it. He saved a planet full of people. He has created a new, a new habitat or he's getting lobotomized at, <laughs> with pretty much at a, at a vacation agency. <laughs> and he's living in a delusion forever. Exactly. That's going forever. to become more Every and more dream. and more muddled yeah. as it goes. At least he got the babe. I just realized that the I've just realized the subtle symbolism of the goldfish because they have like what thirty second memories. Oh, oh. That, oh. God! Every part of Everything this movie is all symbols. So it's all about memory. My favorite. Ah. One of my favorite things about this movie is it just reminds me of like taking the tax test when you're in fourth grade. Oh and my you have god! To write a short story, and at the end, and you're like. It was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> the cop out of, <gasps> and it never happened. Whenever I oh wrote, we had to take Tara I remember, I'm like, I cannot believe. <laughs> the narrative I wrote was about a kid playing with a toy airplane, and he's like running around the yard, and he sees like, it's like the 1940s, and he sees like a car pull up to the house, and he thinks his dad's home from the war, but <laughs> it's a guy <laughs> delivering a letter that his dad fucking died. A fucking fighter pilot. I mean, you and were a dark rider as a child. Dude, I was in like fifth or sixth grade whenever I wrote Jane's this James' teachers shit. kept like a gun under their desk when you walked <laughs> in the classroom. No, wait, no, wait. I remember what this was for. This was for, for seventh or eighth grade. And I remember <laughs> Sorry, we had... So even that. scarier, more sentient Shane. We, yeah. had to write, <laughs> we had to write two essays after that. 
and both essays had the same prompt of like importance of friendship and the importance of friendship in this situation. And I wrote on both pages one sentence like, hey, maybe uh, it would be easier to write if there were better prompts. I legitimately wrote that one sentence, turned it oh in, God. and I had to spend like the next two years and like, Remedial writing classes. Wow, even though my narrative that jail. sounds more like you a should punishment. should have been thrown in jail. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more like a punishment. He's too smart. That is such a chaotic choice. <laughs> that is the most chaotic choice. You. That's more chaotic than turning it in blank. I stood in. I stood by my principles. I think the only time I've ever gotten in trouble for something I written was uh, for my <laughs> for my freshman religion class, and it was um, how like. How would you like, how would you describe your faith? And I literally put, it is completely ridiculous that we have free will, but we're expected to blindly follow without question. And that as good Christians, we should question our faith and question what's being fed to us because it could be a hidden agenda. And so my, how old were you? <laughs> <laughs> I was probably like 15. Uh, and it's, it's a fair I got a, I got a C on that one. And then um, I, I got a letter written to the principal about That's how good. I was disruptive in class. And um, my uh, my religion teacher, Miss Sherman, who everyone hated. <laughs> everyone Sherman. hated this woman. A religious teacher. Everyone religion hated this teacher. woman. She literally told a girl <laughs> who was crying about her dog dying that her dog was not allowed into heaven. And all this other. She was just a Well, bitch. I mean, they're not. Yeah, which I is mean, if you want to be technical heaven. about I mean, it, they're not. Te- I don't want to go to heaven now. Um, <laughs> I was going to go to heaven anyway. I'll just go to the Rainbow if Bridge. If Roxy can't go to heaven, I don't want to go. I don't want to go either. Like, why? There's no dogs. Like, what's the point? But yeah, they basically. If I can't bring, uh, if I can't bring this They basically kitty. told my parents uh, that uh, I didn't understand uh, my faith. I didn't understand religion. I didn't have a good grasp. And they, she was worried that I might have a learning disability. You know what's interesting about this? <laughs> And I'm like, I do, I do. Summer, but, uh, there are so you. many people concerned about you having a learning disability. Have you ever considered looking within? No, you know, you know what, what it is? It, it's just, it's just ableism. That's all it is. It's just you good old-fashioned ableism. You know what? It like, is oh, her sister's special, so she must be. You know what's interesting about this conversation we just had? It's about memory. We're probably remembering this. With Wrong. added details <gasps> oh, or missed fuck. details. I can't even remember how old I was whenever I did that. I just remember I wrote those two essays with one sentence on each and had to spend like two years in remedial writing. Yeah, no, that is a good point, Shane, because humans, we are a storyteller and narrative species. We thrive off of it's, it's the whole, I, I, it's to me, it's the most distinguishing factor of the human race is that we share our oral history and that we and that you misremembering things oh, i always remember these points and even you with your ethics thing with our all of our stories i feel like we have it almost ingrained in ourselves of okay i can remember details better if they play into the story narrative a little bit better mm-hmm. and it's not like i'm not mm-hmm. falsifying the story i'm just remembering it in a way that makes it easier to tell as a story Sounds oh like God. a man. Mm. Oh God. Sounds like a man. Just is Tyler gaslighting us? Yeah. Are we being gaslit right now? This oh whole movie God. is basically just gaslighting. Yeah, this whole movie is, this whole movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger getting gaslighted. Gaslight. <laughs> Gatebox. Gate <laughs> Girl keep. <laughs> Girl gas. Gate light. Boss keep. Oh, my God. Safe light repair. <laughs> Safe light <laughs> <laughs> <Safe light laughs> replace. This, man, yeah, like... 
This, oh, is, this has been the best rabbit hole if we've you could gone take, down. If you could take a dream memory, vacation, anywhere, mm-hmm. where would it be? Go. Saturn, because you know what? I want to fucking know. I kept mentioning it all throughout the movie. I would like to go to Saturn. No <laughs> wait, wait, no. So, okay, <laughs> wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. So either, so, you know, you want to be on Total Recall Universe <laughs> movie Saturn, not just, sat, just floating in a gaseous planet. Yeah, like, no, well, yeah, just, you just, just like no, instantly vaporized. I would love to be vapor. <laughs> Please, Summer's like, what a great vacation. <laughs> this is fantastic. Like, I don't want to be sentient. Get me out of this body. Just screaming about Mrs. Sherman. In the, yeah, in the cold, Mr. the icy fuck coldness Mr. of space. Her okay, grandson, so what if there was her like grandson one of those... hates her. So, okay, like, I know that for a fact. He told me what if there was face. like one of those buttons from the box and you could press it and get like a total recall dream vacation, but it was a 50-50 chance between that or going to Florida. Would you press it? Personally, I wouldn't. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, okay. Are I mean, we you can going... make so many memories in Florida. Is it the possibility of any Florida. location in Florida, <laughs> specific location? If we're going to the Panhandle, that's a hard no. Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> oh, Panhandle. No. Panhandle, Florida. You have to go to Hollywood, Florida, and you have to stay in the Airbnb I stayed at, where at 5 a.m., the guy would play house music from his garage while cutting wood. <laughs> that's... <laughs> like, we're going to, like, Florida Project, Florida, you know? Florida Project, Florida? Mm. Yeah, I can't get over the fact he was just cutting wood. He was just cutting wood? <laughs> He yeah. was pl- bumping house music. He, he, had, and he would have house music, and then you would hear, like, <laughs> as he's, like, cutting wood. And I'm in, like, his garage, which is, like, converted into, like, a mini apartment. Oh, my God. That's pure magic. That's I the mean, funniest I have rich, shit I've heard I have in my life. All my Hispanic family is in Miami, so, <laughs> which sounds about right. A guy tried to sell I'm me still not pressing the Miami. goddamn button. I won't do it. Oh, my God. That's, if I, can exp- I just need to experience all right, all right. that moment in Florida. Everyone else. Okay, Where I are think you going? I would go to like pre-human, like just barely pre-human Africa to just like see it. You just want to be a caveman. Just say it. No, no, no. I just want to be in my capacity, but like pre. So there's not even cavemen around. Just like pre-human, just to like be in a place that existed before like humanity. Just to be able to like see that moment. That'd be cool. I feel like that'd be interesting. Okay, Lainey. Ooh, what if nothing? We'll get to that. So we can also like span time with this dream vacation. Sure. Why the fuck not? Well, it's a bit. Yeah. No. Well, listen. Okay. Summer went to outer space. I went to. Why not? I just want to be vapor. See, I'm, I'm like, doing a lot more critical back thinking suit, than really. AR. So I have to do like taking a lot to consideration, like funding for the vacation. It's paid for. It's a total period. recall stop. So you, you can afford it. You can afford this experience. Okay. Let's not give myself too much credit. Okay. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have one for this. I wasn't prepared. Okay. Mine's between two. I'll make up for you by having two. Thank you. It's either I want to go back to the moment He's before... He's so mad about the 50%. <laughs> I'm either going back to the moment before we went into COVID lockdown or we all thought we were going to have like a normal life. Like we were going to have yeah. like a normal like summer. Like two and a half years ago. Yeah. It was going to have a great summer. Or, or mine are more practical. Than y'all's. I just want to go back to upstate New York. I just want to go back to upstate New York and spend another month there. That was uh, amazing. I would love to be stuck. Oh, if I could I relive mine. anything, I would want to be stuck in Colorado during during COVID. Because then I could just be on a mountain every day. I want to live in like Breath of the Wild in that uni- that cinematic universe. Okay, that's pretty cool. 
Okay, Nintendo is not part of where you can go. <laughs> that is literally that you See, can go it's there. Personal. It's like code. He's really coming for you no, tonight. No, she Lane. wants to be like a character in. She wants to be like a wispy, weird cartoon look, right? I want to be an archer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can do that. She can't be all weird. Shane, why did Why like did me. nobody else get their dream vacation shit on? Why was it just me? <laughs> Shane is still the the amount of hate because that has because been you're telling me in, he can go to two. Mars and he can save an entire planet, but I can't go shoot a bow and arrow by a fucking mountain. <laughs> these other two, these other two had such ridiculous occult. Just it's, out there ideas. Not ridiculous, Summer. I'm sorry. It's my fantasy. <laughs> um, Not ridiculous. Summer wants to go to fucking Saturn. I, <laughs> esoteric, so like, esoteric <laughs> prehistory vacations. Mm-hmm. Yours, you can you can buy a bow and arrow and go to a place with a mountain. But, but I want to be Breath a little a 8-bit wild, character. Though. You know, again, she wants to be... She wants to be an elf. Let her be a fucking elf fairy Wait, 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 wait. Is it, is it Breath of the Wild, like... Is it 8-bit, like, or is it, like, like new... Yeah, it's on no, the Switch. I know right? it's not eight bit. <laughs> it's eight bit. No, really yeah, lady wants to be a it. fucking. She wants to be Mario. <laughs> she wants, she's gonna be in a Mario <laughs> pipe world. No, that'd actually you be really what? fun. With your luck, you're gonna get sent to the hell. That's the first Zelda game. <laughs> just like it's just like cave diving, pretty much. You're just. It, I really just, pissed you off with the three boob thing. <laughs> no, yeah. This is the maddest I've it's seen. It's coming from my neck right now. I think that. Oh no. Also, I just had a thought of like. The hellscape that must be like Super Mario, like that entire world. You have to get a bit so massive motion. So does that mean sickness. that we should cover the Super Mario Brothers movie because the DVD Absolute is in the video store? Fucking loot. We could all. I'm down. I will buy that for yeah. you, lady. Yeah, I'm down. We can make it's that. Bad. Oh, it's bad. It's one of the worst pieces so of art ever made. I like how Summer treats me like a poor homeless friend. She's like, "Don't worry, I'll buy it for you. I'll ship no, it to you. I love you. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to a bird and it will fly. It to I'm you. trying to buy your love. That's all it is. Oh, my love can be bought 100 It's very affordable. It's very yeah. affordable. You. Very low rates. Let me know. <laughs> well, guys. Well, I think we're probably rambling on a bunch um, of things that aren't the movie at this point. So, so there's do, a like, couple of, there's talks. one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, why don't we have a whole bunch of DeLoreans in this future? Because they're, they're all fucking all car. over the 80s. Like every science fiction. Because they're an awful car. The... CEO of the company was like running drugs with them. He ran coke. He ran coke to fund the company. It's my favorite story. The cars, the cars can barely hit eighty miles per hour. Yeah, the cars are terrible. The cool, they're they're cool looking. Yeah, Yeah. no, yeah, he he ran out of funding and was he was trafficking cocaine to fund the company. Why are we not talking about that? Why is there not a podcast about that? Oh, there is. There is. Oh yeah, no, it's it's pretty. Um, I think I think Donut Media has a podcast called. Past gas. My jaw just popped. That is a uh, automobile <laughs> history. Oh my god! Mm. You know, automotive yeah. history is filled with fucking con men and <laughs> and yeah, fucking check out the movie uh, it's Ford versus Ferrari. It's a mm-hmm. lot more interesting than it seems. Mm-hmm. All right, but um, another thing. Uh, bef- well, I guess we can kind of wrap up this podcast, but we also need to vote on the next two movies mm-hmm. that we're gonna watch so that we can get that taken care of next week. I can um, more abs- Halloween themed. I can abstain my vote this time since my vote won, yeah. and that way it oh, narrows no. down and becomes you know, more. Okay, fair. I say let's let's wrap this one up okay. first, so we can go off of. Let's go ahead and do. We have a little bit of cut space. Okay. Uh, I say we go ahead and do the uh, like final vote. Like, do you think it was a dream? And yeah. you can lead us into that. So yeah. So, I guess like yeah, the final thoughts like do was this a dream? Does anyone think this was a dream? 
I don't. I think have so. like a really nihilistic viewpoint of it, where I think it almost doesn't matter. I think the movie's meta enough to where it really is up to a viewer interpretation, and also it doesn't change the outcome of the movie. It doesn't change how you feel about it. I like that response. So, that's yeah. actually, yeah, you know what? I'll Quaid, say that's like the best response. Quaid goes into whatever it is, either waking up or into his lobotomized twilight, believing that he saved an entire society mm-hmm. and maybe because, even yeah. laid the groundwork for a new society. Yeah, a better Because, society. like, regardless of the movie, Quaid's life doesn't exist past the ending. So no. Yeah, no, it yeah, doesn't that matter. is a fair point. And, it, it, the, and going off of that, the movie does lead us to... It's, it's a more realistic, and I'll say it, it's it's. I like its portrayal of that there can be even when like things are dire for a labor movement or for a societal movement that seems like because we go from being like oh they're gonna make it like when he meets Quado we're like oh fuck they got this to then immediately be like well fuck <laughs> like game's over like yeah. they, they're gonna lose like they're gonna just and it's not even be known. The rebellion will just die, and they will be forever enslaved until Cohagen eventually something occurs with him, but just be somebody else. A cycle, the cyclical nature of power, capital. Yeah, but we have this moment of like, even if there's struggle, you can push through it with some help. <laughs> in the in the way of this movie saying, yeah. but yeah, I did like that it ended on that note too. And we get we leave with Verhoeven's interpretation of this uh, counter society. Of the fact that the 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 under the vast majority the the vast populace who are downgrading and downtrodden in society will inevitably rise up, which is a common theme throughout Verhoeven's work, I think. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to further look into Verhoeven's work with y'all because he has these common themes that go on. But I do love that nature in in the in the idea of and going off of that and just going to the idea of oh, like in the film itself, I think the way it's portrayed, Verhoeven and his editor. And he maybe even the writer wanted to give us as ambiguous of an ending as possible into it's such a you can easily implant on it. <laughs> Funny because it's all implant, implantation. Oh. Uh, I think for me at least, I ended the movie in my heart of hearts, going he did it. And I think it's important too because you can have a more nihilistic view and be like that was great, but he just dreamt it, or he it was just the implantation, it was just the recall memory. Or you can easily have it to be where wow, with all this crazy shit occurring, they still made it. They still, they completed the task. They freed Mars. So how do you feel, Shane? Tired. (laughs) (laughs) I think I want to go to my dreams. Can I go to your dreams? I'm going to go to my dreams. Well, I think, I don't know, I think everyone, I don't know, I would consider this a wrap. Yeah, I think this was a, this is a really good show, guys. Thank you I have all a so closing, much for joining I have us. a closing point. Closing point. All right, let's do it. I have a closing point. Uh, this is specifically for Shane. If I have a drum of oil that costs $100 and I increase the price <laughs> by 50%, how much will that drum of oil cost? I already forgot how much the drum of oil cost. What was... What was the cost? It was a hundred dollar thing. It was well, hundred dollars. If it's a hundred dollars and, and increased... I increase the price by fifty percent, <laughs> wait, okay, how wait. Is, I do have how a much thought is now. The new one hundred and fifty dollars. Wait, okay. I have a thought though. Wait a minute. So wait, if she had, okay, wait, no, I now see your thing with okay. 
if we're taking, so you're going with the half boob. So okay, we have a set of. So breasts. each fifty is one boob. Yeah. So we're we're each cons- fifty. Okay. If we're considering the boobs, okay. So I see where both of y'all were right now in your own respective ways because Lainey's looking at each boob. For is it a to be thirty-three percent more boob, there would have to be three boobs in total to begin with. There is on and her body the- three breasts. One does no, not you said, appear. You said if you have two boobs and you add one, it's a 33% increase. But for it to be 33%, there would originally have to be three boobs, and then the end total would be four boobs. And that's all I have to say. Thank this you. is why I don't understand No, because that's like a fourth. What don't, you're saying, I'm what not, you're saying I'm is that like, with an extra 50%, ugh. she would have 150% more breasts. Do, so I don't really no, she would have 150% right boob total. If you if you have two boobs, you add fifty percent more. So we're boobs. just you have three so you boobs just total. live in a universe where more than a hundred percent is something. One hundred and fifty percent. Ladies and gentlemen, this I'm is looking at this. I'm looking at this where this we're deriving. Y'all have a wonderful we're, evening tonight. We're deriving. Bonus Thank episode. you. We're deriving yes. from hundred um, <laughs> percent. Y'all, y'all been great. Y'all good been night, beautiful. y'all. Good night. Y'all good, been night. Good, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, folks. Good night. It's thirty-three point three.